You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to have you join us. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, what you just heard about is so exciting. Uh, it's an opportunity for you, for us, to learn about God's Word, but also if God's put on your heart to pursue ministry, to do, to do that. I love what, uh, what Tom said uh, just a moment ago. You know, God's put things in your heart, things that you enjoy. How can you do that for Jesus? Also learn something new. I thought May the Fourth be with you was Star Trek, so apparently it's Star Wars. Who knew? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but uh, if, if that's something that God's put on your heart, um, I'd encourage you to check it out. Uh, we have a number of people in the church that are going to be going through those courses. And uh, if you want, it's a great opportunity to be in a classroom experience, not just correspondence, and to, uh, to grow. Whether that's taking a book on, you know, a book of the Bible or uh, really pursuing a whole track and growing in what it means to follow Jesus as a pastor, a minister in some respect. So uh, today we are uh, continuing a series we started um, a couple weeks ago called Bold Spirituality. And if you haven't been with us, you can go back and check out uh, some of the past messages on our podcast, on our YouTube channel, or on Facebook, and uh, just see what, what we've been, been talking about up to this point. Uh, and today we want to talk about something that I think is so important. Now before we jump into that, I have a little bit of a confession to make to you guys. I have never changed the oil on a car. Now, some of you are like, I cannot go to this church. This pastor is the lamest man in the world. Um, I, I have to find a new church. I can't go to a church where the pastors never change the oil on a car. Um, now, let me preface this. I have gotten the oil on my car changed before, okay? I've just never actually done it myself. Not because I'm lazy or, you know, any of that. Uh, it's because uh, I just don't know. I've never learned how to change the oil on a car. And some of you are judging me. I get it. You can judge me. Um, I've just never really had the experience or, or, or know how to do it. Now, uh, over here on the platform with me, I've got some tools, thousands of dollars of tools that I, I have no idea how to use most of these. But um, Mike Backlon was so gracious to, uh, to let me borrow his tools. Um, you know, there's tools to do all kinds of things up here. Uh, tools that, if you know how to use them, could save someone thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, not, not like uh, there's just a screwdriver, but I mean tools that could literally save thousands of dollars in repairs if you know how to use the tools properly. Some of you know exactly how to use those tools, and you could fix anything on a car with those tools. Uh, or maybe you're like me, you have no idea, and you go to a mechanic to get your oil changed, to get your brakes fixed, to fix your exhaust system, or you know, whatever else is broken in your car. Uh, it's not because if you're like me, you don't know how to use these tools, you just don't know how to, to apply them. Like, I know very well this is a wrench, right? Is that a wrench? This is a wrench, right? I'm not quite sure what in the world on a car would be that big that you would need to use a wrench that size. Um, all I know for is this, you throw this at someone, if they can dodge a wrench, they can dodge a ball. That's, that's all I know. Um, I'm sorry if you think I'm the stupidest person in the world. Just stick with me for a second, okay? Hopefully I get smarter. Um, now, what we do in those moments is we usually call on the professionals. Like, we call the people that know how to use those tools. Uh, uh, consequently, we have to pay others uh, that have the training, 
to use those tools properly because we don't know how to. And the reality is uh, about adulting is adulting is really hard. And there are certain things in life that you just have to hire people to do for you because we don't know how to properly use the right tools to fix something or do things that need done in our lives. Uh, For example, we go to the hospital or to the doctor's office when we're sick or need medical attention because unfortunately WebMD doesn't give prescriptions. Um, they haven't figured that out yet. Or, or we call the plumber when the drain backs up or our basement's flooded because they're the experts. They know what they're doing. Or, or we call tech support when we can't figure out why our phone won't turn on or our computer screen is flickering. And, and these are all really normal responses to problems in life because it's understandable and acceptable to call on experts when you don't know what to do. But then there are other areas in our life where you probably shouldn't call in an expert because Really, you're the only person that can fix that. Things like your husband and your wife won't talk to you because you're being a jerk. Or, or your kids miss seeing you because you're always at work. Or, or, or your doctor tells you you need to lose a few pounds. You need to start eating healthier. Sure, there are experts that can help you learn how to do those things. But in the end, you're the only one that can better communicate with your spouse. You can't like sub someone out like tag, you're it. Can you talk to my wife, please? for me. No, you are the only one that can do that. No one else can, can prioritize time with your kids. You know, you're the only one that can eat healthier. You're the only one that can do those things. Like, like these are areas that it's kind of your responsibility to do something about. No one else can do for you. And sometimes in the confusing world of being an adult, we confuse whose responsibility it ultimately is to fix something. Like, like getting in better shape, for example. Is it my trainer's responsibility or is it my responsibility? Like whose responsibility is it? Well, you know, your trainer can help you, but ultimately, you're the one that has to run, you know, a mile or lift those weights or do those push-ups or, or run in place or whatever your trainer tells you to do. Or, or, or maybe being more disciplined in how much time you waste on your device or watching TV. Sure, you can read the article about how you shouldn't spend all day staring at a screen, but in the end, you have to do something about it. Only you can do that. And in all these areas, we can even have the right tools. But if we don't know how to use them properly, not only will we not get the thing fixed that needs fixed, sometimes we can do more damage than we intended. I'll give you an example. Um, this last year during shutdown, did any of you do any like home projects, house projects? Some of you did some house projects. Um, it was a great opportunity to do house projects because you were kind of trapped at home and if something needed fixed, let's give it a shot. So I endeavored this last year to uh, finish our basement. Our basement uh, needed done. We had you know, gutted it down to the, the block wall, and, and it was just concrete floor, and it was just kind of there. And we used it for storage, but we wanted to make it a family room. So I was like, okay, we're trapped at home. Let's, let's do this. So framed the whole thing out, put insulation in, new electrical, drywalled it, plastered it, painted it, put carpet down. It was like wonderful. The last thing I had to do was to finish the fireplace, to tile around the fireplace. Um, I had asked a friend that does this how to do it. He explained what I needed to get, like the supplies, how I go about doing it. Sounded easy enough. You stick the tile on there and like, look, voila, it's perfect. He even loaned me his tile saw so I could cut the tile. Like, I literally had everything I needed. Uh, As I started on the first row of tile, 
uh, cutting each piece just to the right width, um, something uh, bad was happening. My world was starting to cave in. <laughs> um, this project that had taken months and months and months to do, uh, redoing this basement, was about to come to a very ugly conclusion. I'm cutting the tile and it's all chipping. And it's like not clean and it looked really bad. Uh, the centerpiece of this whole basement was about to look like a two-year-old had paper mache tile to this fireplace. It was not going well. Uh, the tile was, was just cracking and, uh, I mean, it literally, like, it's supposed to be a nice clean line, like you like the nice clean lines with, with the grout and everything, and it was like, you know, jagged. Uh, I almost ruined the entire thing. Fortunately, a friend stepped in and finished it and did it the right way uh, before I had ruined it too far. Um, but you see, for me, in that moment, it wasn't just about having the right tools, because I had all the right tools. I literally had everything a professional would have except for the knowledge of how to use the tools. Um, it's not just having the tools, it's also knowing how to properly use them. Now, uh, over the last 18 months, I've had a lot of conversations with people. And I don't care which side of the political aisle you're on or what your stance is. One thing that we can pretty much all agree on in society is, you know, our world has problems, right? There's some broken things in our world. Um, in, in some ways, our world is in trouble. And regardless of what solutions you might see should be to our world's problems, uh, we can all actually agree on there's some things that need fixing in our world. And maybe like you, when, when, I, uh, when I watch the news, when I scroll through social media, the problems that plague our world so often seem so much bigger than anything I could tackle on my own. Like, it seems so impossible. Like, God, there's so many problems with so many things. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what I could even do. It almost feels like I'm standing over my car motor holding this tool. And I'm holding a tool. And I, don't, I, don't, I think this is like, I don't know, holding a tool, whatever this is called. And there's a noise in the engine. And I'm like hitting the engine. And I'm like, it's not helping. It's making it worse. What am I supposed to do? I don't know if you've felt that way before with things you see in our world, problems in your family, and you're like, I don't know what to do. I want to I help my friend or my family member. I want to help my family. I want to I help in this situation. I want to do something about this problem I see in the world. I want to do something, but I don't even know how to help. I'm standing over there, I'm clanking on the engine, and nothing's happening. And, and this is where we found ourselves in so many ways. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but uh, there is no question our world is broken and needs fixing. And the assumption for most in these situations is you call on the experts. Call on the experts to fix the mess, right? That's what we do. Maybe, maybe for you, that's looking to politicians to somehow legislate our way out of this. Maybe it's expecting educators of our world to teach our way out of this. Or, or, or maybe you're a more spiritual person and you see the solution to the problems that ail our world. It's right here. It's church. It's pastors like me continuing to do what we're trained to do. Or maybe you see it as a combination of those. As is often the case, when you open the Bible, though, uh, the way a broken world is fixed according to Scripture is very different than many of us would assume. The problems of our world aren't corrected or fixed by professionals that we bring in and just expect to fix everything. Because after all, you can't legislate your way out of this mess. You can't educate your way out of a broken world. It's more than that. And, and it's not even pastors like me just doing our thing. 
When you open up the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible, when the the church was formed and shaped and birthed, you don't read about professional ministers fixing a broken world in the first century. It, It wasn't one person or one group's responsibility. It was actually everybody's responsibility. Everyone played a part in that. And one of the areas we often struggle with in using the right tools or whether or not we should bring in professionals are these spiritual tools that God gives us to change the world. See, the assumption often is, well, that's a pastor's job. I just support them in doing what God called them to do. It's not my job to use spiritual gifts. After all, I might do damage to more than I do good because I don't know how to use them. And, and while I understand that to, to a measure, um, it, it, it's not just about degrees. It's not just about training. It's not just about background. You see, what if many of the spiritual gifts that we could be afraid to use for fear of doing damage could actually be exercised in a way that the world around us could be fixed or redeemed, that, that a world that so desperately needs hope could get a glimmer of it for once? In, in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, a lot of the, that, that portion of the Bible uh, were letters written by this guy named the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote letters to churches that he had started. So these are churches that he had a relationship with. And he'd write these letters and encourage them with all kinds of different truths or ideas. Like, hey, here's some things you need to pay attention to. Here's some things you need to focus on. Here's some things you need to do. And, and in one of those letters, a letter he wrote to the church in Corinth, which was a city. Uh, we know today as the book of 1 Corinthians. So a lot of those letters became books of the Bible. Paul writes uh, uh, about this idea of gifts of the spirit, spiritual gifts. And uh, he takes three chapters. Now, Paul in the Bible wasn't written chapter verse. We, we have it as chapter and verse because it's easier to find things. When they wrote these, there were, Paul wasn't like chapter one. He just wrote a letter. And much, much later, someone put chapters and verses to it. So that wasn't the original intent. But what we know today is chapters 12 through 14. Paul has this whole discourse, discourse on these gifts of the Spirit. Now, this list and what he talks about is different than what he writes about in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 or Galatians 6, where he talks about different roles or fruits of the Spirit. These gifts specifically are supernatural gifts, meaning they're gifts that can't be replicated through human ability or skill. Now, maybe you're into big, like, super, uh, uh, superheroes and all that stuff, and you get to see all these superheroes do these, like, crazy things that, uh, that you know aren't natural. What God is talking about, what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 aren't superhuman uh, abilities like where you can fly, but they are supernatural, where, where God actually steps in and partners with you to do pretty amazing things. Now, uh, I like to refer to these more as tools than gifts, because uh, sometimes we think of gifts as they're just something to be enjoyed and, and used, but, but tools are meant to be uh, exercised, put to work. And they aren't, ex- aren't exclusive just for the spiritually elite or some special group of people like pastors. They're available to every single person. And what we're going to do here just briefly this morning is we're going to walk through these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to start in verse number 4. So if you have your Bible uh, or uh, if you have with us, and this isn't working. What did I do? I screwed something up. Hold on a second. We're not going to. There we go. Now it's working. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. And, and there's something key about this verse that I think is important. 
One, uh, there are different gifts for different moments. Like, you don't use a screwdriver for every situation, right? Like, if you're trying to, to put a nail in a piece of wood, if you take your handle of your screwdriver and try to pound it, it might work, but probably not so well. Use a hammer. So there are different types of tools for different moments. That, that not every gift that God gives, the Holy Spirit equips us with, is for every moment. So different types of gifts. And then he says this, uh, and, and, and the same Spirit distributes them, meaning that God is actually wanting to give these gifts. He's wanting to, to provide us with these gifts. He, he doesn't hoard them, but the Holy Spirit uh, is wanting to distribute them. He freely gives them to those they ask. Then, then very next verse, verse number five. Let's see if this works here. There we go. Verse five. There are different kinds of gifts. That didn't work. Well, that went, that went south fast. There, it's all good. We'll just skip that. There are different kinds of gifts. Here's what it says. But the same Lord. There are different kinds of, of working. But in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now, Paul here, what he's talking about, he's contrasting these two ideas. Um, in, in the first century, you had the Roman Empire. Okay? In the Roman Empire, they had 12 different gods. Can you say 12 could you imagine trying to pray to 12 different gods? Crazy, right? Um, he had 12 different gods. With these 12 different gods, what that meant was they had a god for everything. They had a god of war. They had a god of wisdom. They had a god of the sea. They had a god for all kinds of different things. What they did was they fleshed out these gods for different things. Um, what Paul is trying to say here when he says in 1 Corinthians 5, there are different kinds of service but the same Lord. All of these different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives come from the same God. Isn't that amazing? That God doesn't just, uh, you know, oh, well, that's for that God and this is for that God. No, he's trying to contrast. No, this is one God. One and the same God gives all of these gifts freely to each of us. And he goes on in verse 7. He says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. And he's, he's really getting to, why, why do we have these gifts? Why do we have gifts of the Spirit? Is it just about like church? Is it just about being super spiritual, religious? Why do we have these gifts? And he's saying, ultimately, it's for the common good. It's for the common good. This is important to highlight because over the course of 2,000 years, Christians have, have easily lost this purpose and these tools. Often we've allowed these spiritual gifts or tools to be more about the status of them than the service. Like it's about, look at me, I can function in this tool or this gift. Look at me, what I can do. It's not about status, it's about service. It's about working toward the common good to help others. Maybe for you, you you've had this experience, it's like, you know, having some kind of uh, uh, apparel that, you know, doesn't necessarily go with what it's for. Like for me, I have a Bass Pro hat. Do any of you guys like Bass Pro? None of you like Bass Pro. Perfect. Um, I have a Bass Pro hat. Uh, you can ask me, how many times do you go fishing? Never. I hate fishing. Why do, you, why do you have a Bass Pro hat? I know, you guys are thinking, like, this guy's an idiot. Can't fix anything. Doesn't go fishing. Like, what does he do? I just sit around. I, do, I don't really do anything. Um, but I have a Bass Pro hat because I went to school in Springfield, Missouri, the hometown of the headquarters of Bass Pro, so I have the hat to remind me of Springfield. Sometimes we buy stuff like that just for the sake of the status, right? But the gifts of the Spirit, these tools, aren't meant for a status symbol. They're not just something that you can look at and say, wow, that person can operate in that gift. They're meant to be for service, for the common 
good. That's what Paul is talking about. It's not about showing off a gift or tool. It's about using these tools for one purpose, the good of others, to help others, to benefit others. And then Paul in verse 8 goes in to these list of, of gifts or tools. Here's what he says in verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Uh, what he's doing, he's listing all these different things. Some of you are like, what does any of that mean? He's talking about wisdom, where God just gives a word of wisdom that you wouldn't have known otherwise, or knowledge, where, where God just gives knowledge, information that you would have known otherwise. I'll give you an example. There have been a number of times where, you know, I'm at home, or I'm praying, and God just puts someone on my heart, and I just text them, say, hey, I just wanted you to know, God just put this on my heart, and I'm praying for you, and they're like, how did you know that? It's not me. It's just the Holy Spirit giving you knowledge. That, that's not just for a pastor. That's for anybody. Or, or, or gifts of healing or, or faith or, or the miraculous. What does that mean? That means like the stuff we read in the Bible that's really cool where, where you know, one of the apostles prayed for someone and they couldn't walk and they haven't been able to walk for their entire lives and, and all of a sudden their, their bones heal and they stand up and they walk. Isn't that neat? That gets really cool. Did you know that you can do that? And it's not just you. It's the Holy Spirit working through you. It's a gift. That, that, that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. And then he frames the use of these tools, uh, repeating what he said at the beginning. He said in verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. What's he saying? He's trying to reinforce. These are actually accessible, available to all of us. Like the Holy Spirit wants to give it to us. He wants us to have them, but, but so often we hold back. Now, now, growing up in a Spirit-filled church, the thought of these gifts has often been that a healthy church is one where these gifts are consistently in operation in a church service like this. Like, like it should be like a free-for-all. There's gifts going all over, and people are talking to each other and praying over each other. Like, that's, the, that's a healthy church service. But that's actually not what Paul is writing about. You know, I've been in some of those spiritual churches where those gifts are in operation in kind of a chaotic, crazy way, and it's anything but healthy. That's not because uh, these are bad tools or gifts, but because these gifts that Paul lists aren't meant to define our gathering. They should characterize our going. If you read in the New Testament, if you read the stories of a lot of these gifts in operation, whether it was healing, whether it was faith, whether it was words of knowledge or prophecy, whether it was uh, uh, miraculous power, when you see those gifts in operation in Scripture and you circle it, always look at where is it happening. Every single time it happens, it's out in the marketplace. It's outside of a quote-unquote church gathering. Why? Because it's meant to characterize our going. It's not simply to make us feel better about ourselves, to make us feel like, wow, we're really spiritually mature or healthy. It's meant to change the world for the common good. You see, the healthiest churches use these gifts or tools more outside their walls than simply inside. And then Paul goes into the coming chapters to explain how these tools are to be used, meaning the approach and heart that should be present when they are used. 
He, he leads in uh, out of 1 Corinthians 12 into 1 Corinthians 13, arguably the most widely read passage of Scripture of any of Paul's writings. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is usually referred to as the love chapter. Uh, most of the time, portions of this are read at, at weddings. It uh, talks a lot about love, but it's not simply about the love between a husband and wife, how they interact. It's broader than that. The heart behind these spiritual gifts, that's what Paul's trying to write at. That when we're using these gifts, it should be done in the context of love. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, verse one. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I don't know if any of you have young kids. I have young kids. There is nothing worse than like clanging cymbals, sounds, screaming, screeches all at once. Like when my, my, three of my four kids start screaming, yelling at the same time, it is the worst experience. Like your ears start bleeding. It's horrible. And what's Paul writing? He's saying this. I could speak in this heavenly language, but if I do it, if I do it without love, I might as well just be banging a cymbal. It's pointless. I might look spiritual and mature, but it's pointless. And he goes on, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, meaning if God gives me remarkable words of knowledge, if God just gives me insight that's beyond my understanding normally, if I have faith that can move mountains, I I, I believe God can do impossible things, that's awesome. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Everything I feel like I've accomplished or I've got is meaningless, it's useless. And he goes on, verse 3, if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, man, if we saw someone give everything to the poor, we'd say, man, that person is generous. That's a good person. Man, they have a good heart. But Paul's saying, you can do all of those things on the outside, but if you don't have love, he says, I gain nothing. I have nothing. What's Paul getting at? Paul's getting at this. These spiritual gifts aren't simply about their expression. It's not just going through the motions and doing them. It's about doing it in a context of love. And then as you move into 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes through some really specific instructions on how these gifts of the Spirit should be in operation. The overarching theme of this chapter, and really all three of these, uh, is summed up in a couple verses. In 1 Corinthians 12, or 14, verse 12, he says this, Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Paul here is saying, in other words, these gifts are used for building, not destroying or destructing. That when you're using the gifts of the Spirit, when, when, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, nudges you, and, and, and he asks you to go pray for someone, it's not to be like something you're tearing someone down. It should be building up. In, in another translation, It uses the word edification. That that means that these gifts are to be used to lift others up, not tear them down. We have enough tearing down in our world. God wants to build up. And then a few verses later, in verse 32, Paul writes, as the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. What what he's saying here is that, that God puts the tools in your hands. So he puts these tools in your hands, these remarkable supernatural tools that, that God can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. He can, he can give words of knowledge and wisdom. And, and, and that's not just for people who have degrees behind their name. It's not just for people who have decades of, of ministerial experience to pastor. It's for any of us. And he puts these tools in our hands. But you know what he does? He trusts us to use them in the most appropriate way, in the way that builds up the best. 
Like, we don't become puppets where the Holy Spirit just overtakes us and we're just like in this mindless fog and they just, Holy Spirit just does stuff through us. No, no, we are, are still in control. And the Holy Spirit wants to equip us with the tools, but we have to use them. They're at our discretion. And they should be done in an orderly way that does the most good in others. And, and here's why I share this today. As we kind of wrap up as the worship team comes. As we talked about earlier, there is absolutely no question that our world is in trouble, that, that our world is broken. And, and it's not just 2021. Our world has been broken for 2,000 years. Our world has been broken for a long time, okay? Our world is broken. And, and in spite of all the calls to bring in the experts, God is looking to you and to me. And, and we aren't the source of the solutions to our world's problems. We are simply the conduit of that source, we are, so to speak, the hose that the water is spraying out of to put out the train wreck before us. We'll talk more about this in a couple weeks, but we aren't here to destroy our world or to bring it to its rightful end. We are here to rescue it, to redeem it, to see it brought back from the brink. And the amazing thing is, God has already given us all the tools that we need. He, he doesn't have to, you know, send Jesus to the earth again. He's equipped each and every one of us with the tools. He's given us access to those tools. So the question is, how do, how do we get the tools that God gives us? How do we function in these gifts of wisdom and knowledge, faith and healing? How do we function in these gifts that God so desperately wants us to walk in? And I understand the pushback, so many. Like, Nick, I'm, I'm too new to this. You're asking me to do something that I am not capable of doing. I get it. Here's what I love about God and how he works. You kind of heard it a little bit from Tom and Brooke earlier. God, over and over and over again throughout history, uses unlikely people in unlikely moments to do unlikely things. Honestly, if you feel like you're equipped and you're ready to go, you're probably not the one God wants to use. God, God uses the ones that are scared to death. How do I know that? Because look at what he did in the first century. Jesus literally entrusted this entire thing that we know as the church to 12 men that, that often were looked at as uneducated men that didn't have it all together. They didn't have an MBA. They didn't have a, a, a master's of ministry or doctorate of ministry. They, they didn't have all the degrees, the training. They didn't have it all together. And yet Jesus handed it to them and ascended to heaven and said, Good luck, guys. You're going to do this. How could he do that? Because that's how God works. He works with unlikely people and unlikely moments to do unlikely things. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to work through you. Now, that's really abstract, specifically. He wants the gifts of the Spirit to work through you, not in a weird, uncomfortable, crazy, stupid, ugly way. Like, not where you walk into the grocery store and God prompts you to share something with the cashier. And you're like, hold on a second. I got to get the music out on my phone. Make Spotify. Get the music going. Thus save the Lord. This is, no, that's, that's weird. You're going to get like hauled out of Giant Eagle doing that. We don't need that, okay? That's not what God's talking about. In a natural way. A naturally supernatural way where you can just, through the context of your own personality, allow the gifts of the Spirit to function. Not just in a place like this, but outside these walls. Because the gifts were meant to point people to Jesus. 
Many of us, we've been pointed to Jesus, and that's awesome. But there are people outside these walls don't believe in God because God has burned them so many times. And you get to be the one that could step in and say, let me show you something God could do in your life right now. So here's the three things I want to ask you to do. How, how do we use these incredible tools God's given us? Number one, we ask God for them. We ask God just to ask him. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. God gives freely to those who ask. Seek the gifts and tolls of the Spirit. If you ask, God will give them to you. Have you ever asked, maybe every day, God, would you give me words of wisdom today in this meeting I have with my team? Or, God, would you give me opportunity to pray for healing for someone today? God, God, would you give me faith to make the right God honoring decision and this big decision I have to make at work today or for my family. Ask God for the spiritual gifts. Number two, this is so important. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will nudge you or prompt you. Be ready to step out when that happens because the only way you learn to use the supernatural tools is to use them. I know the fear. The fear is, what if I do more damage with these gifts if I use them in the wrong way? Can I tell you, if you follow Paul's pattern here that that you use the gifts in love, you're not going to do damage. You know, love covers over a multitude of mistakes and wrongs. When you have the right heart and you can operate in love and you're humble about it, God's going to honor that. Is it going to work out exactly the way you plan? No, because it never does. Because God's at work. He's, He's working out purposes that sometimes we don't see. You might pray with someone and then that's the end of it and you never know what happens. And on this side of heaven, you have no idea the impact that had, but it could have transformed an entire family. Be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. You may have not heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life before. It's just often this nudge, this prompting that God gives you. And you might think, we rationalize things, that's not from God. Why would, why would the pizza you ate last night ask you to go pray for someone, right? What's the worst thing that could happen? You pray for someone and it wasn't from God? I know that would be horrific, wouldn't it? Be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. As you practice listening more, you'll become more familiar. And the third is exercise them in the most beneficial way. Use these gifts or these tools to benefit others. Not to be a show for yourself. It's not about you. It's about benefiting others. Make the most benefit. Let's do this for the common good because the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. As we wrap up today, I want to ask you to make this a prayer of yours. God, would you use me and these tools, these gifts of the Spirit in my life, in my workplace, in my family? God, would you allow that conduit of your Spirit to flow through me that I could see supernatural things happen, not at a church altar, but in the grocery aisle, in my cubicle at work, in my kid's bedroom. I could see supernatural, impossible things happen. God wants to do that. You don't have to have the degree. You just have to have the willingness. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing this this song one more time. And as we do that, can I ask you just to, to have a conversation with God? God, how can you use me this week? God, what do you want to do in my life? Maybe God's speaking something to you that he's challenging you to step out and to do. How can the Holy Spirit work through you. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the gifts, the tools that you give to us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would 
God, allow the, the walls sometimes that we put down that keep us from being used by your Holy Spirit. But let us put those down, Lord, that we could see the Spirit of God work through us. We could see supernatural things move in us. God, that you would transform the world around us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 